How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hello and welcome to the Come Along Pond podcast, the final episode of series one of the Come Along Pond podcast. Wow. Which is terrifying. Terrifying. And lovely and brilliant. Speaking <laughs> of terrifyingly lovely and brilliant, I'm joined as always by... Me, Damla. And I'm Elliot. We're, do- we're doing this, uh, it's moving and grooving. It's moving and grooving, as always. But how... Are you? I'm all right, you know. I'm all right. I'm happy to be talking about this because this is this this is an episode. <laughs> yeah, highlight of my week again. Absolute highlight of my week, my life, of television. I'm of my childhood. Yeah. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> well, as far as we are aware, there is no news for this week. So. We should just get straight into the episode. So today on the show we are talking about series one, episode 13, Doctor Who, The Parting of the Ways, broadcast on the 18th of June 2005, it's directed again by Joe Ahern and written by Russell T Davies, and boy is it ever written by Russell T Davies. It's so Russell, it's not Russell, it's just perfection, do you know what I mean? I mean Russell is perfection, but do you get what I mean? I know exactly what you mean, and it's so good, and I'm so happy to be here talking about this. Like I said, I'm absolutely thrilled. I mean, I just, I, I, mm, how, do, how does one begin? Well, well, we begin by finding out what you think this episode's going to be about. This is true. <laughs> because I know what I think it's about. I know what Google thinks it's about. 
I know what IMDb thinks is about. But for the last time this series, I want to know what you think this episode is about. Why did I get emotional when you said that? I actually had a little pang in my chest, <laughs> like, like a, oh, oh my God. <laughs> As if there's not like 20 years of content roadmapped out for us. I'm, no, but no, I know. I but know this is, this is only the start yeah. of this podcast. This is only, we're literally just scratching the surface. But, but it's a we've done a whole moment. series. Yeah, we've done a whole series. Like, a whole series. Insane. 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 I can't, I can't, I can't even speak. Um, so what do I think it's about? Getting to the original question. Now, what this episode is about is that it's, it's teaching us a lesson. And the lesson is this. The lesson is always, always take advantage of your one night stands because you could eventually borrow a yellow truck from them. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean... Or anything else, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, a hairbrush? No. <laughs> um, a something credit card a, something better than a mini anyway yeah there you go that <laughs> was easily the worst one of the series but we're gonna leave it in no I mean it's very telling that like I know that that's kind of the joke but that you just assume that that's exactly why Rodrigo or whoever is Rico whatever he's called he's got a I mean Jack, Jackie gets around as she should because she's absolutely a 10 out of 10 she's a 10 I was going to say she's a 10 butt, you know, that whole joke that's going around. But there's, there's no, no butt. butt no, there is no butt. No. There's no butt, no. No. What do you think it's about? That's really aggressive, sorry. <laughs> what do you think it's about? It's about how if you're going to lie to someone right to their face, do probably at least make sure they're going to die when they found out that you've lied to them. Wrapping my head around it. Wait. Carry the two. Minus <laughs> it's a really specific moment that I'm making reference to there, and it's one of my favourites. So. No, no, that's fair enough. No, that's well, fair. I'm sure, I'm sure we'll cover it. But this episode's full of people lying to other people. Everyone's just... You're a liar. You're a cheater. That, that's yeah, ev- the whole episode. Everyone is lying to everybody because, you know, we've got to have hope. Yeah, exactly. And also, we're humans. Yeah. We're just shit. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we just are. The, the stink of humanity... <laughs> do you yeah. know what I mean? We are awful. Not us though. We're good. Me and you. Well, yeah. Yeah. We're we're we're, we're all right. Yeah. Aren't we? We're all right. We're all right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just want to get straight in, right? Because there's something yeah. that I want to discuss, which isn't to do with the episode, but it is to do with the episode. And let me elaborate, okay. just to get straight okay. in. Okay. This is also kind of irrelevant, but like it is relevant. <laughs> I'm just going to say it, Damlon. Yeah, stop stalling, Damlon. Just say the bloody thing. So, in the 50th Mm -hmm. anniversary, the day of the Doctor. Yes. Obviously, because Chris wanted absolutely nothing to do with it, they had to. They 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 couldn't record a scene of him doing something to add in. They had to invent the War Doctor. Well, no, not just that. Well, that yes, absolutely, absolutely. But also, you know, when all the Doctors come together, and and then um, you get loads of clips of them, and they had to reuse a clip of Chris. They always use this bit from the parting of the ways when he's like, and for my next trick. And it's like, do you think we wouldn't have noticed that? (laughs) Yeah. Like, could they not have done? Like, you know, like, you know, when they did like some of the, you know, older doxers, they got like voice actors, you know, some of the voice actors on Big Finish, I guess, who like sound exactly like them. And it's strange. They could have just done that with Chris, but they reused the scene and it's like, "Eh, it doesn't work. 
Was there no like outtake or anything? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I just every time that bit comes up now, I'm like, oh god, I just can't not think about it. It's ruined it for me <laughs> um, a little bit. I mean, it's probably it's still probably more relevant and interesting than my first note, which is just that like in that first scene before the Doctor's even flying towards the ship, I just really like the way the Daleks are interrogating Rose, and I, I I love the way that Billy Piper says, "I don't know," and even if I did, I wouldn't tell you. She just gets really scared. Well. Do you know what I notice every time I watch it when she she says when she says I don't know, mm. her real accent's coming out in that. I don't know if you can hear it. Can you hear it? Because obviously Billy Piper is actually kind of a bit posh when she speaks. If you've heard mm. her in interviews or anything else, yeah, she's quite middle class. Yeah, like she she doesn't sound like Rose in real life. Like she puts on a bit of a Cockney accent. So when she says I don't know. She's like I don't know, and it's like oh Billy. Yeah, and then is that why she overcompensates by really really slowly going? Yeah. And even if I did, I wouldn't tell you. I wouldn't tell Just, you. Yeah, exactly. I, I think like that's that. what happened. Yeah, I like that, though. It's good. Yeah. But yeah. sorry, I just noticed it every time. No, I hadn't, but I'm sure I will now. So this whole scene is perfect, so who cares? What is there to say? Well, obviously, we, we left off from the Doctor coming to rescue Rose, and he damn res- he rescues her, all right? Yeah. It's really sweet, actually. Like, when the TARDIS materialises around her and that Dalek, which I love... And like, yeah. So the way he reacts when when she just goes, "Oh, I never doubted you." He goes, "I did. You're all right." It's just it's a very casual, you know, just like you're all right. Yeah, like it's nice. It's just nice. Yeah. It's lovely. It's um, it is great. And you can kind of tell. Do you know what's really lovely? And I think this is a really subtle thing. And you tell me if you think this. Mm. Nine for the for the second half of Bad Wolf, the last episode. But like he lost his mojo a tiny bit because this is a very serious situation. It's very, very like you know he did he he caused all of this in the long game, right? But when Rose comes back and he knows Rose is safe with him, he kind of gets that cheekiness back. And when he's like, "Let's yeah. go meet the neighbors," you know, and all that. It's definitely he puts he puts a front back on. Yeah. And because this whole scene, this whole opening scene, is nothing but front. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, I mean that's one of my that's one of my favourite lines is the no good stood around here chin wagging human race you gossip all day Daleks have got the answers let's go meet the neighbours it's great it's great and, uh, yeah because especially and then you also the reveal of I know that they've said about the force field anyway but like the Daleks not being able to shoot through the force field yeah and you know, useless nil point I love them he's like non point nil point I I send that to you anytime we lose at Eurovision. <laughs> But I just think, like we've said before, we love the scenes. I feel like this is a common thing between us. We like scenes that have like literally three different uh, or f- four different tones mm. going through it. So like, yeah. you've got the cheekiness, the jokes that are being made at the Daleks, and then the very very serious moments with the Daleks. They've basically gone insane. They've turned into like a massive cult. I mean, obviously they're called the cult. The th- the four Daleks later on are called the cult of Scaro in series four. Series four, series yeah. two. God, wake yeah. up, damn lot. Um, <laughs> literally the next series, babe. Come on. Uh, and um, they, they have cult. They have cult abilities. It's not yeah. out. It's not out of the realm's possibility that they could form a cult because they literally do. Exactly. Um, but then you get that booming voice and that reveal of the Emperor of the Daleks, and it's like, oh bitch and i i mean i like i like that uh early on before they're in the tardis you do hear him say patience my brethren yeah in i i assume in an attempt to make people go like who's it gonna be i i sh- i can only assume people at the time maybe thought it was davros 
But then, sounds nothing like Davros, and obviously Davros never called Daleks his brethren, but, no. you know. He calls them my children, right? Yeah, because he created them, whereas obviously the Emperor is, like, one of them. Yeah. I mean, babe, you tell me. Mm-hmm. You've got the, no, the, the, the information here. Yeah. And for people who are like me, who are mainly New Who fans, who haven't delved into fully into the classic series yet... Is the emperor? Is this the first time we see the emperor? Is there any hint of it in the classic series? Or what? What's the history behind this? So it's such an amazingly deep cut reference because yep. the emperor Dalek. There, there's like weird episodes where different design, like uh, basically, there's there's an emperor Dalek in Remembrance of the Daleks, but it's Davros in disguise, and it's also a really shit design. Um, so like, I'm not counting that proper emperor Dalek appearances. He appears once in the Evil of the Daleks, which is. 1966, 65, and that is it. But he's amazing. Like Part of the reason I was very, very happy that the episode got animated was because seeing the Emperor Dalek alive on screen is incredible. I've just Googled him, right? Because obviously I know what he looks like in New Who, duh. But the original design is really fucking good. I mean, the original design is interesting. Like, it's like very silver... Mm. I just love all of the, I love all the tubes hanging out of it. And I mean, it low key looks like an ice cream machine. Let's be real. No, I love it. I'm not listening to you. I think. I mean, the design of the emperor. Let's discuss. So obviously, mm. in confidential, and I think I've actually seen the 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 um the small scale model that they use to actually film. Yeah. I think I've seen it in either the Doctor Who exhibition experience or one of these things that I've been to one of them um but um I mean I think the design is wonderful and I think it holds up I really do yeah I like the design it's it's very it's very simplistic I actually think it's really effective that they you kept focusing on close-ups of the actual what the octopus bit I don't know what to call that bit yeah I mean like the mutant the mutant that's it that's the word sorry it's it's Long day. Um, <laughs> I love the close-up of the mutant because I think it looks great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a cool. That's the thing. It's like, how do you make like a how do you make like a car-led mutant look different to like the rest of them? Exactly. And it looks so good. And because because he's in display in the tank, it like feels even cooler. And he's got all these tentacles writhing around. And he's just got that one beady eye. And it's like pulsating. It's like yeah. And do you know what? I'll tell you what makes me uncomfortable. It's like there's little bits floating in the water as well. It's like Ugh. oh my god. Yeah. Imagine like drinking in that. Yeah, yeah, I knew you. Your intrusive thoughts are taking over. I mean, it's because I imagine <laughs> like being a, being a head in a jar with like bits floating around in it. Then would then be impossible. I mean, they don't have mouths, but it'd then be impossible to not be drinking the water. Oh, like, disgusting! Nah, but then, how do you. they talk if they don't have a mouth? I mean, it's. I'm pretty sure it's like the casing and stuff, right? But I don't actually know the intricacies of the Dalek casing. Dalek science and things, yeah. you know. I've got to take a refresher course, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you like the design, yeah? Yeah, of course I really like the design. And I do like I do like the voice. Overall, I like the voice. I think I'd like the I'd like the voice less if it wasn't saying cool things. Yeah, like I reached into the dirt and created life anew. I'm the god of all Daleks. Speaking of a good thing, going on to a slightly bad thing. Mm. I do feel maybe I'm being thick. So let's bear this in mind. I could be just being an absolute idiot. <laughs> okay. I do feel like they don't explain 
where the humans on the game stations go. Because obviously what happens is they get transported um, by the second transmat beam. They're not disintegrated, they're taken, transmatted to the Dalek ship and then they're experimented on by the Daleks and if they're good enough, they get turned into Daleks. I don't think it's explained well enough. I do think it's just, it just gets missed in dialogue. I don't know. I mean, you, yeah, I guess you need to be you need to be paying attention to the dialogue, I guess. But yeah, I mean, I don't I don't mind, and I also don't really have a an opinion on it because I just like I, I again I know that scene basically line for line. Yeah. So, like, I understand that they were sifted, filleted, pulped, and that only one in a billion cells was good enough to be Dalek. Well, I think it's because the only reason I say it is because after the last because I've seen this episode a stupid amount of times. Um, mm. I only got what was going on after like maybe the fifth or sixth rewatch. Yeah. And now I'm on like the 50th, so it's fine, but like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I probably didn't understand it as a child. But yeah, no, I just thought I'd add that in there because that's not going to be my weakest moment of the episode, something else. But yeah. I disagree with your hypothesis, but it's fine. <laughs> I'm just an idiot, basically. Sorry, guys. I'm an absolute idiot. Right. We've got Rose, Doctor, Jack. Linda, everyone in a room together. Something I hate, and we will discuss it further on when we get to series four, and Rose returns. Spoiler. Oh, God, she returns. Well, <laughs> fucking catch up. I hate. Now, when I say that, I know every... I know humans are complex. Mm. They're layered. They're, you know, everyone has... Either, you, you know, suffers with this or doesn't, and it is what it is. I just think in the context of writing women especially mm. i absolutely despise rose's jealousy i think it's annoying and childish and makes no sense yeah but i i do generally later on but i feel like all you get in this scene is like a face and that's it well you're right however what annoys me is i think linda and rose would have been real cute little friendship there that's why it annoys me yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like we were robbed. Yeah, yeah. They would have. They would have had quite a fun dynamic. Because then, like in school reunion, when she's jealous of Sarah Jane. Oh, oh Rose, yeah, that's what, yeah. go away! You're just annoying. I mean, you know, I love her. You know, she's my main bitch. You know that. But oh my god, go away! <laughs> I don't things. I don't mind like I don't mind tiny moments of jealousy in like episodes and stuff. Like the doc. I mean, the doctor had it last week with like Jack flirting with Linda. When it's just sort of like. Fun little faces, or they seem a bit miffed. I don't mind it. When they start then actively complaining about it in dialogue is when it starts to get a bit like... So I feel like if the drama had slowed down for her to sort of have a conversation with the Doctor about, yeah, like, who's who's Linda, huh? Yeah. I would, have, I would definitely dislike it. But instead I quite like that they have a really awkward and uncomfortable and stilted interaction, and she just kind of looks a bit like... I just... I get where you're coming from, but I just genuinely just hate jealousy. I mean, I hate it in real life. I hate it in television. It annoys me. Um, Unless you're jealous of our podcast, because you should be. You should be, because listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's just that's just a note I made, because it just annoys me, because I love Linda so much. Mm. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I like I, I do like their final goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. And just shake hands and don't really know. And she gives that last little look back as she walks past the TARDIS. Like, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It's very sweet. I do think, actually, now that we're talking about Linda, mm -hmm. if you don't mind. I mean, do you Not mind if I talk about Linda? I mean, depends. Do you mean Linda with a Y or do you mean Linda as in the... The Linda group. A, the Linda group from 
Yeah, I love monsters. Oh, just a moment of absolute joy when you said that. Um, yeah, and that's not even sarcasm. It's not no, even sarcasm. You, again, if you, if you need a reason to stick around other than just enjoying our chat, so I feel like there is a massive narrative in fandom that Series 2 is objectively one of is the weakest of Ross T. Davies' series, uh, and I like basically every episode. Yeah. So f- get f- fluffed. Get fluffed. Especially, um, especially Love Monsters. If you don't like Love and Monsters, I don't think you're going to like our podcast. Yeah. If you hate Love Monsters, you hate fun. Exactly. Yeah. But um, no, Linda with a Y in this situation. Yes. Um, I do think she's dismissed really quickly and I do think she's just kind of booted out really quickly and it does piss me off. I, I But I, I always get the sense that like it, the Doctor has to build the Delta Wave uh, and that's that's all he's doing. And Jack is the one who has to then just organise everything else. And realistically, I don't feel like I'd give Linda a rifle. No, I mean, I get it. No, I do get it. I just wish we had a bit more time with her in that room, maybe contemplating a little bit more. Because I just think she's a lovely side character. I just don't think... In this episode, she was utilised as much as she could be. This It's hard because this episode really does, like... It moves along so quickly. Like, it, it, paces, it paces by so quick. And, yeah, I feel like it, it's not, it's not, it's not over, it's not overstuffed. It's a really well streamlined episode of the show. But maybe if they had an hour. Yeah. You could just, just flesh some things out, just a tiny, tiny bit tiny more. Tiny bit more, but. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, everything in there is, like, necessary and hitting all of its beats and doing the great stuff. I mean, look, the main reason I like this episode, and, and you might disagree, uh, because I feel like we have different attitudes towards media, is I like how horribly cruel this episode is. No, that's actually one of the reasons I love it. Okay, good. Because I know sometimes we disagree about things like that, yeah. Like, I was thinking it right towards the end, especially when Linda dies, which we'll get to. It's just like, this episode just is horrible. She hates everybody. Well, no, I would, I would actually... Good let's talk about it now. No, let's talk about mm-hmm. it. Let's discuss. Because okay. I wrote down one thing I love about this episode... Is that it's just brutal. It's just absolutely yeah. the like I said about last episode, the stakes are absolutely up here. And what I'm doing is putting my hand up to the air. Um it's <laughs> the stakes are just you literally have no idea what's going on. Linda dies. Freaking everyone on floor, what was it? Floor zero dies. Yeah. Which is like, harrowing. Yeah. Uh, the thing is I think like Dalek Dalek had the Dalek killing a lot of people. But they're all soldiers, they're all fighting, and you don't really know any of them. Whereas a lot of the people who die in this, including people on Floor Zero, you have met in yeah. Bad Wolf. Yeah. So it feels real. Yeah, I mean, kill even Roderick, with, even... but... Oh, yeah, yeah, who cares? But, you know, even watching him die, you're like, oh, like it's a character that I know is dying. It's not just a group of random people on Floor Zero. It's Roderick and, you know, civilians. It's It's... It's nasty, and in a good way. I don't mean none of this is a criticism. It is a really nasty, nasty episode of the show. And it's great. No, so I totally agree with you. But again, I good. love I love when stakes, when, when you just actually don't know what's going to happen, because there's a lot of... I mean, it happens more towards later on in the show, I would say, in New Who. The stakes are non-existent, because you're just like, yeah, but they're not going to die, so it's fine. I feel like what it is, is that, like, especially in Russell's era, you would watch stuff, like the episode, well, watch the episodes, and you're like, I actually don't know 
who's going to make it out of this finale? I actually do yeah. not know. Like, Rose gets trapped in a... Pa- like, the main character that we started with from the revival, she is literally not in it anymore. She is trapped in a parallel universe. The Doctor and Rose are no longer able to be together. That is earth-shattering shit. Like, that, in terms yeah. of... The, in the context of Doctor Who, obviously. Also... In my life, yeah. but yeah, anyway. like yeah, <laughs> people you know people don't just have to die, and when people do die in Russell scripts and finales, they are even if they're sort of not necessarily like people that we know, they're people yeah. that we have spent at least an episode with, and you go, oh wow, shit, that's you know, yeah, that's that's impactful. Like, I'm struggling. I was struggling to think of an example now specifically, but like, yeah, he just writes side characters so well that you do feel bad when they die. Yeah, it's... Uh, and it works so well. And, yeah, it's just literally, like I said, you know, floor zero people die, Jack dies, Linda dies. Like, what... You just think, oh, my God, something's got to give. Like, can they just take a minute, please? The two the two lovely staff members who were going to go yeah. out for a drink afterwards, they die. Elaine the Payne dies. Elaine the Payne and the guy you have a crush on dies. Davidge Pavel. And he dies defending her. Or um, yeah. attacking them because they've killed her. And I think also it's like, you know, Rose gets sent back to Earth and it's like, oh, my God. Um, But before we talk about that, because I feel like that's a natural progression of things, I do want to touch on a moment when, obviously, they're all going off to do their thing and Jack kisses Rose and the Doctor. Now, I understand when people are like, oh, can we just, like, in in order to normalise things, we just have to accept them and not make a big deal out of them. However, at the time this was done, like, made, this was not a thing. You do not... You you don't get men kissing other men on television. This is, two, this is 2005. This is tea time, family entertainment, and an established queer character wearing leather trousers is kissing a man on the mouth in a completely earnest... Yeah, and platonic and way. Nice way. Yeah. yeah, it's not. You know, it's not a joke. It's not. It's just Jack is going to miss both of them, so he kisses both of them. I mean, I have. It is platonic. I do have thoughts, and I think we'll touch on this when we talk about Torchwood. I mean, Jack's relationship with the Doctor is one of the most beautifully complicated things about the Doctor Who universe. I. I mean, he isn't in love with him, but he also absolutely is in love with him, and I think. I guess in that way where it would kind of be impossible not to fall in love with someone like the dog, so... Exactly. But you don't have to, like, necessarily pine after them, but you can have that little... Yeah. ...flutter and twinge every time you think about them. Exactly. Yeah. And... Anyway, so that whole kiss scene... Now, let me paint a picture. I was quite a sheltered <laughs> child. Yeah. Um, before I even discovered my sexuality, or even sexuality being a spectrum alone. Like, I come from, you know... I am Turkish, I come from a Turkish background, and Turkish people are kind of homophobic, kind of racist, you know, they're just very, they're not, I wouldn't call them completely conservative, but they're also just very sheltered themselves, they're just very behind, very behind, and if you disagree, then shut up, because it's the truth, Um, (laughs) (laughs) and I wasn't really introduced to the idea of the same sex being, being able to be attracted to each other, genuinely, I know that sounds ridiculous, but that, but it's my truth, you know. That, that that's yeah, yeah. I mean, even yeah, like even yeah. I don't, I don't have, I don't come from a sort of particularly religious or sort of you know specific cultural background. That, um, but you know the 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 fact was that yeah, you were either you were either gay, which was hilarious and scary and yeah. gross, yeah, 
or you were straight, which is normal and good and fine. Exactly. No, you're so um, right. Then there's a handsome, half-naked man you know, kissing, kissing everybody on screen. It's lovely. Exactly. Yeah. And I do find it interesting that when I think about it deeply, that Doctor Who is actually the thing that introduced me to a wider world of people and sexuality and all of that. Like, I'd never seen two men kiss before until Jack kissed the Doctor. And I'm sure I'm not alone in this. I really don't think I am. No, I mean, if you grew up watching, if you grew up watching the series, that you know, I was quite, I was, I was relatively young. I would have been seven when this was being broadcast. So, yeah, same. Yeah. Um, and I was watching it going out, and yeah, you know, I, I, I'm sure I don't have any specific memories, but yeah, I'm sure that probably at that time, all media I'd watched was incredibly heteronormative. Exactly. See, Jack, actually, Captain Jack was my intro into sexuality genuinely like and um you know like watching Torchwood as well there's an episode in series one um where you know Tosh gets with a a woman and I was like oh my god do you know what I mean like yeah Captain Jack you know again putting all things about John Barrowman to the side Captain Jack is a very important character to me because of that reason yeah um, and I just wanted to highlight that because I just think it's really important. And um, yeah, I don't, know, I, I don't know. There's just something really lovely that it, in in this scene it was mainly platonic, and I just think it's nice, just like that that he did that. I think it was because it's very Jack. It's very Jack, isn't it? Maybe I'm reading into it too much, but no. That's... Basically, what you're saying is more people should kiss their friends platonically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With consent, people. With consent, but please. Yes, with should, everything, <laughs> but people should also feel comfortable enough to be able to do that. Exactly. But yeah, I just think, you know, Russell really said gay rights, you know. But yeah, there you go. Yeah, no, I agree wholeheartedly. Feel free to read my dissertation on Captain Jack and uh, being just absolute gay rights all day long. Thank you, Russell. Thank you, Russell. So uh, according according to the Doctor, him and Rose could go to Marbella in 1989. Yeah. Uh, but they're not going to. Because nope. she wants to stay there. Because they're just too good. Amazing, I was going to say amazing acting from Chris, obviously, but amazing acting from the Doctor to make her think that he has a plan. Oh yeah, I mean the Doctor could, you know, really got that A star in drama, like flipping out. Yeah, he kisses her forehead. Um, is just explaining the crossing my own timeline and releasing the buffers. And even gets the little cocky. What it is it's like? Yeah, you know, if I, if uh, yeah, and if if I if I'm good and I'm more than good, I'm brilliant. Yeah. And then uh, it just really makes me sad every time when he runs out of the doors and just stops running. That scene, with without fail, every time just makes me. This whole episode makes me want to cry, and I do cry, but that bit just always. Oh. It's yeah, like you said, he runs out, he stops. He just like gr- like grinds to a halt as well. It's yeah. like a sort of it's like a wall of sadness just stops him from moving any further. Yeah, and then you know he turns around, the music just cuts dead. And he looks like he's gonna cry. Yeah, and then just like because the thing is, he's not just saying bye to Rose; he's saying bye to the TARDIS as well. Like, let's not forget. Yeah, yeah, and it must be more emotionally heightened because he's he, he's not he's not even like he's been able to convince her that she needs to go. He's had to lie to her. Yeah. And so he's he's not even got to say goodbye. It's a hologram, right? These had to pre-record. It always gets me. 
And I have a question for you. Do you think... Now, think about this. Think about... Normally, I'm saying you don't ever think about a question I ask you, but really dig into your noggin and have a... Have a think. Do you think he did the right thing by sending her home? I... For the... The, the wonder and the adventure and everything that I want to feel. No. Okay. But yes, he did the right thing. I agree. Because it's it's bigger than just protecting Rose, which is important. It's like he says, you know, it's, he's fighting a threat that should never get their hands on the TARDIS. You know, he... And, and I mean, I'm sure we'll touch on it later, you know, he, it's because he's not, he's not expecting to survive, right? So what good would the TARDIS do? Because it won't be in the hands of anybody who can use it. You know, he fully accepts like, that he's just going to die. And if he can do... And it, it, I assume in his mind, yeah, if he can do one last thing, which is save her and also stop the Daleks getting their hand on time travel technology, they might, they might be able to wreak havoc on the, you know, the future. But they won't be able to travel into the past and move about all of time and space and being able to kill people. So uh, ultimately it is for the best. Jackie was right. I... I agree with you. I just wanted to check. And I don't think any answer is actually right or wrong. I just really wanted to know. No, yeah, because I can see people being like, oh, no, he should have stayed with them and, you know, because they should have fight till the very end. And Yeah, and all but that. But I disagree. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And you know what? At the end of the day, not that I'm a parent, but <laughs> I I love when Jackie's like, you know, I, I, I God knows I've hated that man, but he did the right thing and sent you back to me. Like... Like, at the end of the day, if you keep her there... I mean, look, look, this could be a whole bloody podcast episode on its own. Seriously, what I'm about to say. The Doctor, at the end of the day, is responsible for these companions because he asks them to come along. This is his TARDIS. It's his... He is in control of the situation, right? So if anything happens to the companion, yes, they are their own individual being. They do make their own choices. However, it is partially the Doctor's fault. It just is. So... Nine doesn't want that on his conscience, and I totally get it. Yeah, he doesn't want yeah, to think. Especially, yeah, yeah, especially because of who the the, uh, the doctor that he is and the things he's seen and done. So, so Rose gets sent back, and then there's the hologram message, which, by the way, looks really good. It looks great. I have one problem though. Is it the is it the turning the head? The turning the head, and I'll tell you what my problem is. I don't mind him turning the head. It's cheesy, okay. I love it. I fucking love that yeah. shit. I was going to say, because I like that. So I flipping love that shit. Don't get it twisted. However, I don't like that his voice goes suddenly from being, you know, a hologram voice to he, like he's standing there. I think that was a silly choice. I like, No, just keep it. Yeah. So that's a I really, know... really nitpicky thing, but that really always gets on my nerves. But I, I don't know what... I don't know, I don't know if, if there's a broader implication there. I do think it's... Yeah, it's odd and sort of kind of comes out of nowhere for the scene. Like, it didn't bother me, but also I understand that it is bizarre at the same time. I don't know. I just, it just jars me. It does jar me. Yeah. Audially, yeah. it jars me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, it's lovely and, you know... I, I love the little Doctor hologram moments you get throughout the show. Like, you know, in Blink when Sally puts the DVD in and then the Doctor's like, something's been detected, you know, a disc... I don't know what you say, I forget. But... Also, just the thought of the Doctor having to stand there on his own recording all these messages for a hologram, it's like, it's giving me the ick slightly. <laughs> yeah, he's had, yeah, he's had to think about this. He's a 10, but he records his own holograms. Ick. 
It's like what was what was Rose doing when he was like doing the yeah. fifth take of him going, have a fantastic life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but it's great. It's just when he's like, do that for me, Rose. Have a fantastic life. Yeah. Oh, and the music again, Murray, Murray, babe, babe. This episode would not be what it is without Murray Gold. I'm sorry, it just wouldn't. It's things. It's nice because it's, there's so many different light motifs and things used in this episode from different tracks that I quite like it. In that sort of, it's all iconic, but it's not like. I know this is no problem with this, but like the later ones get very bombastic. Yeah. So like I could go if I want to feel emotional, I could go stream like Vale and doomsday um different things uh, uh you know this is gallifrey our childhood our home um yeah. whereas like this has got so many different light motifs and things that he's already done it's got bits of roses theme in and stuff from dalek and you know and stuff from father's day all kind of blended into one but i quite like that i can't just go and listen to one track it's a lot more subtle and there's nothing wrong with the lack of subtlety because some of those tracks are fucking great but but I like how subtle all of this is. It's lovely, and I love the track. It was Rose's theme, isn't it, that comes on when he's talking to her and saying, you know, have a fantastic life and stuff. Yeah, the simple piano. Yeah, I love Rose's theme. Um, I mean, I love. I actually love all the companion themes, to be honest. I've not listened to one companion theme that I don't like. Martha Triumphant from Series 3 is great. My, I actually really like Clara's theme. That's one of my favourite themes ever. I don't know if I know Clara's theme. It's or, like, like, I don't know if like, I could... That's that's awful. That is screeching. Sorry, sorry, Murray. But <laughs> Martha's Martha. So Martha and Martha's triumphant from series three. Yeah, good. I mean, yeah, the series Donna's, three. Donna's yeah. is iconic. The series three soundtrack. I mean, wow, wow, brilliant. But yeah, so you you get that, and then Rose goes home. Now let's discuss. Rose in the little chicken shop. I mean, what sends me, do you know what absolutely sends me? Is there's this really serious scene and then suddenly you just cut to rotisserie chicken. Brilliant. <laughs> rotisserie chicken with, with Jackie going, this place has gone up market. They started doing little tubs of coleslaw. And do you know what? I, it's She's onto something because fish and chip shop chips with a bit of coleslaw on the sides are actually really nice. I mean, but I like that she says, not very nice though. Tastes a bit chemically. Yeah. Yeah, but I but like that is enough. Just the fact that they do coleslaw is enough for her to think it's upmarket, even though it tastes like floor cleaner. Yeah, the fact it's coleslaw, it's upmarket. Up yeah, I mean to me, upmarket is you know instead of mayo, we've got garlic mayo. I mean, geez, <laughs> in the innovation at its finest, right? <laughs> I mean, I do love it. I do love a cheap, like rubbish little sort of kebab shop. The ketchup like is the best, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. What would an episode of a Rusty Davies Doctor Who episode be without copious talk of food? Yeah. Agreed. But yeah, I think the chip shop scene, do you know what I love? I, I keep saying, do you know what I love? I love all of it. But what I love about it is when she was just sitting there, she was like, you know, the fight is happening right now. I can't be there. And then, you know, just like being with the Doctor, it, was, it's not, it doesn't matter about the aliens. It doesn't matter about all that. It was just a better way of living your life. And it... it Teacher, it taught me to make a stand. Rose, Rose, Rose is an anti-capitalist. Uh, because you know what? She's right. Going up, getting the bus, going to work, coming home, eating chips, going to bed. It sucks and we should hate it more. 
you know, it is draining and horrible, and it's a terrible, it's a terrible, dreadful mill in which you have to live your life. But then, you know, then the common argument against it is people like Mickey was like, yeah, well, it's good enough for us. It's like, yeah, but it's not, though, is it? You must be miserable. Why are you going to be miserable between trapped in that cycle? But it's that, and, you know, not to go completely off topic here, but, like, it is, it, I hate hustle culture. I absolutely despise yeah. it. Like, oh, my God, I never take breaks. I'm working all the time. Uh all right, good for you, but do you not, like, hate your life a little bit? Like, low-key, like, you get you get satisfaction out of making your whole work life your life. Like, I, I, I actually pity you, if anything. I don't look, envy you. I think that's quite sad. That's the problem, isn't it? Yeah, it's uber, uber, uber capitalism. With the, ri- with the rise of interest in, you know, in capitalism coming to an end, there is now a rise in people who have to make it, like, you know, their life has to revolve around money and it, it's get and work, up and grind yeah. and the only time I can be happy in my life is if I reach a goal of having an X amount of money yeah. and nothing else matters, which is not true. It's not true and I just find it... Like, Mickey, Mickey's input there, What it reminds me of, like, you know how your parents are like, this is how it has to be, you know, you've got to... You know, it's like, for example, this is so specific, I apologise how niche this is, but it's like... You know when people are like, I've never taken a sick day off in my life, duh, 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 and I'm like, okay, well done, you suffered at work, congratulations. Like, what do you want me to say yeah. to you? Yeah. Do you know like, what I did when a... I was sick? Do you want to know what I did? Took a sick day. Took a sick day and I re- was, was re-watching Doctor Who because it's my comfort show and I had a great time. Yeah. So fucking fuck you. Do you know like, what I mean? Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not a muter, right? I have a really guilty conscience. I don't yeah, take same. sick days at work because I like the idea of taking a sick day usually makes me feel like... Oh, they. Yeah, you know, I'm not. Am I sick enough? I'm not properly sick enough. But you know, you do need those days. Oh. Moving back, back to the point though, Rose, saying, you know, you make, you know, he, he taught you, you know, you got to make a stand. You say no. You stand up for what's right. You don't just sit down. And do you know what? Absolutely, yes. I second all of this. This is me in my everyday life. Anyone chatting nonsense, you got to, you got to tell them. You got to stand up. I love it. I just think it's a great message. I remember back in the day. Probably from a man saying this. A lot of people are like, I think Rose Tyler is a bad, um, a bad role model for children. I couldn't disagree more if if I wanted if I wanted to. Literally, what are you talking? Like, what are you talking about? That's so stupid. The 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 Russell Russell. I mean, I, I'd say nearly all the companions of Doctor Who are great role models. To be honest. Yeah. Some I more, think, some more than others. Doctor Who and Russell T Davis, by an extension, were never afraid to have their characters be messy and real and have complicated moral decisions yep. they have to make. Yep. But ultimately, they're good people doing good things, and they're allowed to be messy occasionally. Yeah. And those are the best role models you can have, of real 3D people doing real things. You know, I just think this whole scene... I feel like this scene also encompasses who Rose is, like, her morals, where she stands, who she is fundamentally as a person... And, you know, obviously she, she runs out of there. I think that's great. When she just gets really upset and she runs Slams out. Slams the table, yeah. And then, obviously, she goes to that park and you see the bad wolf graffiti. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want a factoid? Do you want a factoid? Me- yes, please. So, in my five millionth time referencing the fact I went on a Doctor Who bus tour in 2014, 2013, 2014, um, we went to that, we went to the Estate where they filmed the Power Estate anyway, and um, we went to that park where the bad wolf graffiti was. And he said, if you came... So at that point, he was like in 2014, 2013, wherever it was. Um, if you came here about six years ago, you could have seen one of the, the brick wall where bad wolf was written. It was still there. They just left it. Oh, cool. 
But over the years, people came and they kept trying to take pieces of the brick with them, which I totally understand. I'd probably give a good go myself if it was still there. Fair deal. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, not that I condone doing this. No, but kind I know what you mean. Yeah, I can understand um, <laughs> why people would want to do that. Yeah. So in the end, and I think they demolished the wall in the end or something. I don't know. No, it sucks. Um, yeah. But there you go, factoid of the day. This scene, uh, despite being a really good reveal mm. and threading everything together, because of course I always take it for granted that I know what bad wolf means, but actually sort of seeing what it means is is a really good reveal. Also has one of my favourite lines in it. Um, and it's not even good, it's just iconic. And there's just something about the way that, in working everything out, that Billy Piper decides to go, bad wolf here. Bad, bad wolf, wolf there. there. <laughs> and I, don't, it's just, I don't it's great, I love it. I think it's great because, like, again, she's like, the realisation on her face is insane, isn't it? Yeah. And it also shows the dichotomy between the two versions of her later, right? Because, you know, later on, spoilers, I guess, but later on when she's absorbed the time vortex and she's like, she's like, I take, I take these words and I scatter them through time and space, a message to myself so I can become the bad wolf. And it's like, that's the, that's the powerful flowery god version of it and then the wonderful man on the street version of it is bad wolf here. how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Velour XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. And I love it. I love it. It's so good. It's great. And like, and then when she started running, she's like, the least I can do is help him escape. I, I don't know. That bit always makes me laugh as well. She's like <laughs> running good. off. But again, um, it's like, it's all, it's all camp in a really good way. It's it's I just think it's lovely. And then as much as we don't like Mickey in this series, because I like him later, again, not referencing the actor who plays him. Mickey in series one, as much as I don't like him, I do think Rose is extremely harsh when she's like talking about how she has to open. She realizes that a way because, the, the, you know, she remembers the TARS is telepathic and she can, you know, kind of do what they did to Margaret in Boomtown where they open when the, the tires opens up and you know it can read her mind or something. She's realizing that something along those lines could get her back to a, the doctor, and you know she's like because there's nothing left for me here, right? First of all, it's not just harsh to Mickey because I do think you know again as much as I think he's so annoying in series one, you know, he he always helps her out. He's always there for her kind of thing. Yeah, I mean he's stepped up in this episode. He really did, but. On top of that, what do you mean there's nothing there for you here? You've got your mum. What are you talking yeah. about? I just think it's really yeah. harsh. I don't like it. I don't think it's in character at all. 
Yeah, Jackie. What do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I could, I could definitely poke a hole in that and say, like, yeah, obviously there is, there are things for her there. But I do understand. I think at that point, I guess maybe she's still quite angry, and it's that feeling of wanting, you know, wanting to escape and get away. And I, I kind of maybe understand her saying it out of anger, but it is just sort of a normal scene. So, you know, maybe that, maybe that as a defense, it doesn't stack up. But I can kind of, yeah, it being just like a, a frustration thing. Whereas I'm sure she actually still sat down and thought about it. She's like, well, no, that's not true. But she's so angry and distraught that you know. That's a fair like, point. Leaving, I'll, I'll give being, you that. Being left there with Jackie wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But to her at that moment, it's the worst thing in the world because she, she wants to be there. Doesn't yeah. want the doctors to say, yeah. Uh, around this scene, yeah, is so is something I wanted to bring up just because it will recontextualize my opening for you. Mm. So the Dalek, the Daleks start the assault on the game station, satellite five, whatever you want to call it. And this is where I'm sort of was first being like, yeah, this is why. I love the Daleks, and this is how horrible this episode is. It's when they first attack that group, and you've got some armed security guys, uh, and you have the producer from The Weakest Link. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're sat there with the guns, and they're firing at them. And her last words before she gets shot is just her screaming down the radio to Jack, saying, you lied to us, bullets don't work. Yeah, that's, that's, that's chilling. As they then just get, yeah, slaughtered. I wonder why he lied to them. I mean, I feel like I think because Jack, cause Jack, I mean, Jack does say they've got like plastic bullets, and you can aim for the eye stalk. So I don't know if it's I don't know if it's like a a lost in translation thing where it's like yeah the bullets do work but you got to concentrate your fire and they're not concentrating their fire, or yeah if he literally just needs lines of defense and he's like just sit here and wait yeah shoot at them yeah and then like yeah then she's like you lied to us the bullets don't work. The guns are absolutely useless and, you know, I, I, it's just, yeah, like you said earlier, like these side characters, we've seen them, we know them at this point. Obviously we don't know them in depth, we don't know the producer of Weakest Link very well, but like... Yeah, but you've seen her like... But we've seen her. Walking yeah. around and talking and taking charge and she clearly, you know, she has a life outside of just stock character with gun who yeah. dies. I mean, but yeah. also, let's not forget... One gun does work for us, even if it's a short amount of time. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's it's the android. The android killed like two Daleks, or was it one? Is it? Th- I think it's three, isn't it? It's three. three right? Oh. Yeah. But um, the thing is, she could have actually annihilated them all if she just didn't stop saying, "You are the weakest link." Goodbye. Yeah, yeah. Because three of them come on. She says, "You are the weakest link." Goodbye. Goes one, two, three, and then another one comes in and she goes, "You are the weakest link." But it, but it shoots her. Blows yeah. her out. I love, I love though. It's like, it's like Dar- Dalek advanced guard are on f- floor five nine four nine five, and you get Jack going. Four nine five should be good. I like four nine five. And it's referencing Anne, right? Anne, actual android. Yeah. Still love it. I yeah. still love that. But yeah, no, I still love the whole android concept. It's great. I mean, she gets killed, but here we are. She does kill three Daleks. She, but she does kill three Daleks. She goes up with a bang, literally. Literally. Which I mean, that's also. It's then after that that so they kill everyone on floor zero, which we kind of already talked about. Eventually they kill Linda. It's so horrible, isn't it? It's so horrible. But do you know what makes it, again, it's so eerie, this episode. Like when the, the deaths are eerie, like straight up, um, you know, you you hear, you know, she realises that they're going towards her 
And then, you know, the doctor's like, don't worry, that, that glass can withstand this, that and Meteors, the other. Yeah, yeah, that's it. But then the, the Dalek comes and she's like, oh, my God. And then you hear, see the lights going, exterminate. You can't hear exterminate, but you can see the lights flashing. flashing in time. Yeah. In time, yeah. And then, and then the glass shatters and she's screaming and that's it. And then the doctor just looks up really upset and then just goes, but I need to carry on. I, need, I can't even take a minute to mourn her. It's so cruel as well because you just you, you assume that it's going to be them storming through the door and that maybe there's hope because the blowtorch Dalek is trying to cut its way through. Which I love that design. I don't know if there's ever a figure that, of it, yeah, but I want yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want one. Um, and yeah, you just sort of assume that it's gonna they're going to blast their way through and that maybe there's some hope. But no, they just shoot her out into the vacuum of space. Horrible. Absolutely horrible. Actually um, horrid. Yeah, I mean, okay, so we'll, we'll, be going, we'll be going sort of out of order, but if we're just going to talk about all the, all the deaths then. So, yeah, I love I love the sort of barricade defence that Captain Jack has with those people. Yeah. The sort of controllers and different things. And, yeah, the way that, you know, it's a, it's a, bit, it's a bit camp because they've only shot out one eye stalk, but, like, you know, the way that Elaine the Pain with her newfound boyfriend, and she, you know, I like the other way she's saying, but do you expect me to say that once all this is over, maybe we'll go get a drink? Is like, is that, oh, that'd be nice. It's like, well, tough. And then gives him a little wink. Yeah, I love that. Uh, but yeah, when she shoots the ice cat and then she just goes, she goes, we did it. Which and they like, get shot. Does feel a bit presumptuous because it is only one ice stalk, but she's so happy they've got one ice stalk. And then yeah, just immediately, boom, shot. And Davidge Pavel jumps straight to her defence over the fence, firing blindly because he's so upset and he just gets wiped out. He's obviously just been in love with her for years. and just Yeah, so he says, yeah. He says, I, he says I transferred here because of you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so cute. Dead. dead. And then, I mean, and obviously Jack's final stand is quite sadistic because, like, they, the, the Daleks are right, they only need to wake their way to four or five hundred. Yeah. And because Jack is not, he, he's not doing anything to them because he's just shooting at them, they just keep moving forward as long as he's moving backwards because they have no reason to kill him because it doesn't matter because he, he's so not in their way at all. Until, yeah. And, and I don't know the fact that even he's, like he's, he has to switch to his sidearm because it runs out of bullets. Yeah. And, then, and I love the, the little defiant, yeah, the Dalek says exterminate, and Jack says, yeah, I kind of figured that. Great last words, Jack, I have to say. Yeah, sticks his arms out, gets thrown against the wall. Literally, and then he just like... Honestly, John Barrowman in this episode is on fire, I have to say. Yeah. I mean, the whole cast Absolutely. is, but like John, John in that scene, he is so good and... It's really sad because you think, oh, that's the end of Jack. But little did we know we'd get all this <laughs> other content later on. And I love, I love again. It's not, an, it's not a new point, but I agree with it every time it gets brought up. I do love that when he slumped against that wall, that sort of like slimy, dripping red paint makes it look like it's covered in blood. It's just, and also I have to say, you know, the shot of the three Daleks, of like the ones that have, that have shot Jack. What a gorgeous shot. They use that picture a lot, actually, don't they, for the Daleks, I think. That screenshot of the show, that, that, that it frame. It is iconic. Yeah. Um, not screenshot. It's not a screenshot, damn it. It's a frame. Chill. Um, <laughs> can you tell I work in media? Um, <laughs> media who? Media who. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, Every death is so bleak. Even even Roderick, who we hate, his like, final words of him. Going, just I don't going, want to die. Don't, yeah, you don't exist. Yeah. I don't want to die. I should be a rich man. Yeah. Dead. And then just dead. And then, like, you hear... Obviously, Linda hears them all Lynn, die. She turns off the... Yeah. But then, you know, then she dies. And, oh, don't... It makes me sad. It makes me really upset. So, so sick, this episode. Horrible. It's Great. sickening, but I flipping love it. Yeah. 
give it to me. Jumping, jumping back, uh, something that I assume you love as much as yeah, I love. Yeah, I know what you're gonna say. I, I, I hope so. I hope, I hope so. I like it. We're on the same page. Is Rose and Jackie's little chat about Pete in the TARDIS? It's so sad. And it so makes sweet. me cry. It makes me sob. It makes me absolutely just die. Uh, the way, I I'm sort of like okay with it, and then it's it's the way it's the way Camille snaps the stop it. Just stop it. She, she's so upset. But you know what it is as well is you can just tell Billy Piper was feeling really emotional because she just can't even get through it. Even just speaking it like I met him. I met Dad. Yeah. Yeah. Because obviously she's like. You know, Dad would say, if you can save the Doctor, try anything. She's like, well, we're never going to know. And she's like, well, I met him. And she's like, what are you talking about? And then, like, she, Billy just can't even get through it. She just immediately starts crying. Yeah. So think about it. There's a girl, blonde girl. And, she you know, he, she you took his me. hand. You know, you saw her, Mum. And then Jackie's face, she's realising, like, oh, my God, that was Rose. Oh, my God, my daughter actually travels in time. And she did that. And the like, doc- that's how good the Doctor is. Yeah, and which I love. I love that bit of dialogue. Just that line, that's how good the Doctor is. Because that is actually a gift, I have to say. Like, you know, we yeah. all say that like, we shouldn't regret things. Bullshit. I regret things all the time. It's, it's natural, you know what I mean? Like, you always wish maybe you could have been there for someone or whatever. Like, you know, not to get too bleak on the podcast. We, you know, don't want to get too bleak. But, you know, when... You always like wish like oh I'd I wish I'd seen them that uh, one last time before they died or something like that like family friends whoever it may be yeah like or you it's yeah, nice you, you think you think about yeah your last words or yeah yeah and yeah you know the, like you do you just think about it. you think oh, oh I've not seen this person for ages and you know like you ask really morose and sad questions to yourself like and it's not nice it's not nice at all. Like you know that you're being, you know that you're being ridiculous. But yeah, you know, you're always like, did they die knowing that I love them? But it's you know, it's just, literally, just, yeah, it's such a natural thing that we as humans do, and I think it's absolutely lovely that the doctor was able to give Rose that thing, knowing my dad didn't die on his own. I was there for him, and he wasn't just lying in the street dying because it's not nice. No. And you know what? As much as I say this saying. In my daily life, like, it is what it is. Like, a lot of the time I agree with that saying, it is what it is. But sometimes I don't agree with it. And it's like, well, no, if I could have changed it and I could change it, I would have. Someone dying on their own isn't nice. So the fact that the doctor did that is so lovely. But obviously it's very overwhelming for Jackie and she runs off. And then, you know, she comes back with, you know, you're right, sweetheart. Your dad would have wanted, you know, your dad would have persisted. That's uh, what she says. Yeah, you you were right about your dad's sweetheart. It was full of mad ideas. Flipping out, and then obviously just you know they they're trying. Well, Mickey's trying with that stupid black car, that little cab or whatever he's got. I don't know what it is. It's weird. He's got a, he's got a mini, hasn't he? He's got a mini. That's it, a mini, and he's got a vintage mini. And then you know it's not working, and <clears throat> the the metal um, chain snaps. Rose gets angry, and then you know they're about to give up, and then she kicks the TARDIS console. Yeah, and then they're about to give up and then the big yellow truck arrives and she's like, well, you've only got it till six o'clock to so get a move on. I love, I, love, I love Mickey being like, yeah, we need something bigger with more power. Like, something like that. Yeah, it's great. But Jackie's just behind the wheel, yeah. It's great. And then, yeah, so, obviously they do it. It's Rico's, yeah, the only favour. Actually, sorry, one, one line I need to focus on yeah. before we go, they did it, 
is during that because Jackie's the one shouting the instructions to Mickey. There's just a great line where she just where she goes, "Give it some more, Mickey." Yeah, and she's like really getting. She's like, "Go on, Mickey." Mickey, but the, yeah, every time she says Mickey, it's great. Yeah. But then along with the soundtrack again, Murray on top form just it's delivering, building, building, building. Yeah. Um, and it's building, it's building, it's building. And honestly, I didn't think it would work. I think the first time I watched it, I thought something else would have happened. I thought, oh. They're going to try and open it, but they can't. The TARDIS just doesn't want it to open. They would have found yeah. another way. But no, it, flag- it flipping opens and the unexpected occurs. Obviously, if you've watched it for the first time, we knew what was going to happen because we've seen it a stupid amount of times. But Yeah, and I feel really, I do feel, I feel really sorry for Jackie and Mickey because the doors slam shut yeah. and it just goes and they're left. And they don't know what's happened. They actually have no clue. Yeah, and they don't see it till Christmas. And it pisses me off. It always, right, listen, listen. When I say I, if I, if Jackie has a fan, I'm one of them. If she has one fan, it's me. I mean that, and I mean that genuinely because I care about that woman. I care about that woman so much. Mm. She's my favorite Doctor Who mum. I'm sorry, she is. And the fact that her and Mickey have no idea if Rose is even alive until Christmas. And and what? Not only not only that, but she's getting her she's getting her a Christmas present right it's the opening shot of the Christmas invasion is you go down to earth and Jackie's hanging the baubles up and she looks at that present that she has for Rose oh don't I love Jackie Tyler with every fibre of my being I would die for the woman I would but like it's just it's just horrible because it's just weird time stuff isn't it because for Rose that's been like an hour a few hours maybe yeah and it's just how they've hurtled through time is it's now like I don't know could be six months in the future for, like it could be it could be the Christmas the year after. Like you just yeah, you, know, you don't no. know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you yeah. So it's insane. I have a feeling it's the Christmas of that year because she doesn't seem to, you know, um, but yeah. So anyway, that happens. And it's it's not even it's not even the heart of the TARDIS. It's not even what happened to Margaret. It is the entire time vortex. The whole time the Emperor has been daunting the Doctor about the Delta Wave, knowing that it's going to kill everybody on the station, including him, including the Daleks, and is it worth it? And yeah, you get... And then he puts his hands on that plunger, and I mean, it's just... Even without the context of the 50th, right? I mean, with the 50th, it is also, like... feels much more powerful because the device is very similar. Yeah. But yeah, like this Doctor who has done genocide and is living so much guilt it's his hands on that thing and then the emperor dalek asks what are you doctor coward or killer and he takes his hands off and with a little sort of tear in his eyes and a crack in his throat he's just coward any day it's great and then just resigns himself to die that's it he's just willing to die and also i think being annoying and having to bring this up i do think it's a really good role model for children because obviously this is a kid's the family show at the end of the day yeah, that's yeah. Having having the bad stuff like the uh, the genocide happen off screen gives texture, and that's the character. But you never have to watch him do it, and then being able to then thematically repeat that with what would essentially be another genocide, and him refusing to do it. I mean, you say it's character growth. It's beautiful, and like I said, it's a good role model for kids. It's just beautiful. I love it. Like that wide room, that that, that control room. I love. Like I said in the last episode. Um, the set design is amazing, and surrounded you know, by Daleks. Surrounded by Daleks, head and up, he's, eyes yeah. closed. And then yeah. you just hear the TARDIS materialise, and you're like, "Oh lord!" And the Doctor's oh mad confused. We're mad confused. We're all confused. 
Yeah. And then the, the, the doors fly open and Rose is standing there in like, bathed in light. Gold makeup on. And it's just insane. I love something I, I adore. I Oh, you love something? Adore. I'm surprised. <laughs> I adore the look of the vortex in her eyes. Oh, it's great. And when it happens, you know, spoiler alert, at the end after the Doctor absorbs the vortex, there's that amazing shot that if we can find a clean copy of, I'd like to use for the socials, where he like looks up and there's that shot where he's sort of not looking at the camera, but his eyes are kind of almost at camera height and they're glowing with the time vortex and it's weird and creepy and cool. Okay, so answer my question. I've got to answer all these questions for you. Is, is, is come here, I think you need a doctor, the single most romantic line ever committed to screen? It makes me tear up. I'm tear- I've teared up. You can't see me, but I have. It's so beautiful. It's, okay. Doctor Who isn't an inherently... It's not a romance show or anything. But God damn, there are some romantic scenes in this show. Let Just to name a few. Freaking Rory literally waiting for Amy in the Pandorica, protecting the Pandorica. That shit's fucking romantic. That shit makes me cry. Love that. You know, um... I mean, nine, nine, nine not wanting to stop the Slovene because he's worried that Rose is going to die. Yeah, and like... Like I said, the whole world but lose you. Exactly, and like, you know, ten on the beach with Rose uh, in Doomsday, oh. but then also ten two on the beach with Rose telling yeah. her he loves her, and like... And even even as whatever you guys think, you know, Yaz and the Doctor in that one bit in Flux, I forget the episode, but when they're like, literally, Yaz is like looking at her mouth and it's literally so hot and you're like, oh! Yeah, I mean, because I don't think we'd ever God. considered it right. And then, yeah, it's in the finale, isn't it, to Flux, when they're like, when I was like messaging you during that whole thing, being like, they're going to kiss. Yeah. They're going to kiss right now. They're going to kiss. I can tell like, you. But yeah, exactly. And like, like I say, the show is so romantic. But genuinely, God, what a long-winded point. Genuinely, the most romantic scene in all of Doctor Who is this scene, and I will not hear anything about it. I'm sorry, I will not. There is no other... This is the most romantic scene in Doctor Who. Like, when she's like, my head, it's killing me. And then he's like, come here, I think you need a doctor. doctor. Beautiful kiss. I think it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. And... I'm. I decided. Oh. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna cap off the whole episode with this. But because we're talking about how romantic this is now, I have a quote here from Russell T. Davis from Doctor Who Confidential. Okay, go on. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. Talking talking about this episode of the of the Doctor. He says he doesn't die fighting Daleks or saving the Time Lords or some other mythological concept, but a 19 year old shop girl who is braver than brave and smarter than smart. She's dying, and he sacrifices himself to save her. Oh fuck off. Tearing up. No, that, I didn't know he said that. Yeah, it's a little little interview of him in Confidential, and that's his whole summary of Nine's oh. character. Oh my god, it's so rom- no. I'm sorry. If I can't have it, I don't. Uh, if I can't have this, <laughs> I don't want it. I'm sorry. Like it's it's. <sighs> A lot of kisses in Doctor Who I don't like, I have to say. There's a lot of kisses where I'm like, for God's sake, really? Like, you know. Mm. But this kiss between Nine and Rose, because it's not just pure romance. It's pure, like, I really deeply care for you. I want to save you. 
Look yeah, at what you did for me. At the same time. Yeah. Like, look at what you did for me. I want to do the same for you. I mean, Jesus Christ, babe. The entire message of Bad Wolf, the entire thing of Bad Wolf, this, this, these two words are so important in TV history now. And again, I have them tattooed on my body for life for a reason. It's the name of a literal production company. Name of a literal production company, literally iconic words. The whole meaning behind them is that she wanted to spread this message through the universe to lead her back to this moment. She wants to protect the Doctor. That is what Bad Wolf is. Bad Wolf is protect the Doctor at all costs. That's what it means. That's fucking romantic, man. If I can't have that, I don't fucking want it. Full stop. I don't want it. It set the bar way too high. Because even, I mean, his last little speech... God! I mean, because he's, he's cheeky to the last. I love the, you know, she's like, she's like, what happened? I heard singing. Like, That's right, I sang a song and the Daleks ran away. <laughs> he's so happy. Oh, wait, do we have like, to talk about that? Yeah, can we just prolong it? I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> he's, so, but he's so happy that he's dying, but he got to save her. Oh, let's just get into it then. Come on then. Pull the Band-Aid off. Go on, go on. Do it. Stood in the stood in the TARDIS. Nine sang a song. The Daleks ran away. He looks at his hand. The regeneration energy's like shimmering through his hand. I don't want to talk about it. And I just love. I don't know. I love. I love how nervous and scared he is. This is the thing. The two words to describe this scene is bittersweet. A hundred percent. Because he's still. That's the thing. Again, we love scenes with multiple emotions, right? And he's like, it's like bouncing back and forth between him being, you know, we go we to Barcelona, not the city Barcelona, the planet Barcelona. They've got dogs with no noses. And he's, he's so excited. Yeah, and, and Rose is and laughing. Then, she finds it hilarious. And then just that little theory is like, go. He's like, he's like, she's like, well, why can't we go? It's like, you can, but not with me. And it's not like, like this. You know, not yeah. like this, yeah. And she's like, you're not making sense. I might make it make sense again. I might have two words or no word, and don't say that would be an improvement. I was like, oh, that's so sad. It reminds me of, like, a parent soothing a child a little bit. Yeah, you got to just... Yeah, you, you can't... It's so painful to face the reality that you have to be sort of laughing through it. And honestly, the, like, the, the physical, like, hit to his stomach still kind of gets me every time. It's so... Listen, listen. Are you listening? I'm are listening. You listening. This is my favorite regeneration, and I don't care what anyone I says. I mean, I it is it is the template based on the fact that the show literally has not been able to do. This, you know, they just do this regeneration every time now. Of course, the shittest one is the sneeze. But... Oh, the fucking sneeze! I don't. Do you know what? I'm gonna. Can we just never bring that up again until the episode? Because I don't want to talk about it because it fucking angers me so much. I can't. I can't. I can't. I'm sitting there crying, sobbing over Matt Smith leaving. I'm literally distraught. And then suddenly it's Peter Capaldi. I'm like, hey, hey, whoa, whoa. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. Yeah, at least with the other thing, at least with Ten, you get the massive. I mean, I don't like Tenant's regeneration either. But, at least you but it's get better. Time. You get time. Do you know what? I do kind of tend to block out Tenant's regeneration because <laughs> the, actual, the actual trauma it caused me. Doctor has caused me some trauma in my life. I can't lie to you. But yeah, he's celebrating who he is and he is scared and he is upset because you have to be at a regeneration, like, you know. But he's not milking it. He's just, it, he's going out with a bang and he's like, I, you know what? 
you know, you were fantastic, Rose. Absolutely fantastic. But you know what? So was I. I was that oh, bitch. Oh, I so was good. that bitch. And I love it. I just love it. I think it's perfect. Literally perfection. I wouldn't change anything about it. It's my favourite regeneration. I don't think anything will top this regeneration. I really love the effect. I even love the effect of the face shifting. It still holds up. Yeah, like David Tennant basically being bald and then his hair growing in. Yeah. It, it still holds up, doesn't it? Don't you think? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And especially because, like, the last time you would have seen a regeneration on screen was in the TV movie, which is fine. But the last one you would have seen in the TV show was Colin Baker regenerating to Sylvester McCoy. And literally, it's just like a warp effect over his face. Like, you know, like, and it's not bad. It's a, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a bad regeneration scene for different reasons. But, like, you know, the effect's not bad. But, like, being able to go from that to then literally being able to see his face transform in real time is. Amazing. It's amazing. And I've actually also not been able to do it as good since either, I don't think. Yeah. It's because of the hair. It's the hair. It is David Tennant bald, sort yeah. of with like a really like white hair, plastic yeah. cast face, but then it going out yeah. is so iconic, yeah. Every other time they've done it, it's not worked as well. It works so well, and the effect holds up, which is shocking. Um, and then we get this cheeky chappy. Yeah. He says, hello. Ooh, new teeth. That's weird. Weird. Where oh. was I? Oh, Barcelona. Barcelona. And then the smile, and then it just cuts. With that sort of weird, that amazing, weird puppy dog smile that he has. He just sort of rocks his head back as he smiles. And yeah, the cadence on Barcelona is so good. Barcelona. Barcelona. Oh, I mean, I say um, it how many times when I don't know what to say? It's my filler word of choice, Barcelona. Yeah, and sets you up perfectly for the Christmas invasion. Doctor Who will return in the Christmas invasion. Yeah. Oh, Elliot, I'm sad. It's a, it's over, but it's the end, and the moment's been prepared for. So, with that being said, darling, what was your standout moment of this episode? If you so, can so, pick one, I mean, Jesus right, Christ. So, so it's it's the end of term, right? We've got our ties around our heads. We've just you know eaten lukewarm pizza whilst watching The Grinch on TV. It's the end of term. We're having a bit of a party, uh, which means I am going crazy and breaking all of my own internal rules just this once or maybe i'll allow myself to do it during other series finales uh standout moment there isn't one the whole episode's a standout moment that didn't work nothing episode's perfect i have nothing to say for either of those oh I'll, I'll let you i'll let you this once this once i'm gonna let you this because once. this is your favorite 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 episode Ever. It's 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 a it's a tied close second depending on what mood you catch me in. There's one other episode that might be better than it. But we'll save that. What is your standout moment? And then what was the moment that didn't work for you? Yeah. So for me, the bad wolf moment is my favourite. Yeah. But yeah, no, bad wolf the bad wolf moment is my favourite. I won't linger on that too much. I already said why, but I will go on to the moments that didn't work. Now, as much as I think this episode is pretty much perfection. Um, I will say I do have two moments that really didn't work for me. Yeah, nothing, nothing is, nothing is beyond criticism. Yeah, even even this incredible episode. Even even this. Rose, right, right. You know when um, they tried using the cab, sorry, the mini, and it doesn't mm-hmm. work. Yeah. Up until that point. She's literally screaming and kicking and like she's just really annoyed. And then suddenly they cut back and she goes, oh, maybe mum was right. Maybe she should just leave it alone and just not bother. And I was like, huh? 
Yeah, she sort of loses loses all hope. No, she just literally quickly, loses all hope. She? Yeah. And then Mickey's like, and then suddenly they swap, and Mickey's like, no, I'm not having that. And it's like that was weird to me. That was yeah. strange. Especially because Mickey's not like that at all. Mickey'd be like, yeah, yeah agreed. Yeah, stay here. Yeah, I I, I think that was that, that that will never work for me. I just no says that and then another moment that will never work for me and I get why they did it because they had to prepare for the spin-off called Torchwood I get it (laughs) I do get it but I find it so out of character that the doctor wouldn't even check if Jack was still alive I just find that absolutely ridiculous I don't understand it the thought of the doctor just leaving Jack on that station it just breaks my heart and I don't really get I don't get it it just makes me really, really, really sad and I don't like it. I just, like, Jack's face, like, I'm stuck here. But, yeah, anyway, that, that they're, they're just the two most... So they're kind of very small, tiny things. They don't ruin the episode for me at all, at all. So what was your most Doctor moment? And there is a plethora to choose from. Oh, my Lord. I mean, I feel like, okay, I feel like that. I feel like there is just one answer, though, isn't there? From sort of... I mean, just that whole ending, right? Coward any day into... I think you need a Doctor, just that... Yeah, the Doctor saving Rose—that is the most Doctory thing. Yeah. Do you know what? No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna agree. Actually, I'm gonna agree. Yeah, it's it's just the only correct answer here. Well, do you want to mention your favourite quote then? Absolutely. Absolutely. So my favourite quote, say, and I could tie it into most Doctory moment, is definitely the Doctor's talking to the Emperor. He says something. Cuts the emperor off. The Daleks say, "Do not interrupt," in their stupid mechanical voices. And the Doctor says, "I think you're forgetting something. I'm the Doctor. If there's one thing I can do, it's talk. I've got five billion languages, and you haven't got one way of stopping them. So if anyone's going to shut up, it's you." Yeah, it's great. Okie doke. Right, where were we? It's great. I love it. It's so good. He's got his mojo back, like I said. But what? What was your favourite line? Mine is something that Rose says. And I mentioned it earlier, but um, it's when she says, uh, you don't give up. You don't just let things happen. You make a stand. You say no. You have the guts to do what's right when everyone just... And when, ev- when everyone else just runs away. And I just can't. I live by that mantra every Especially day. Especially the way she, the way Billy Piper's delivering that is so good as well. So, darling, well... Scores. So, the format is, if you guys aren't aware... We, when we review two parters, we review both parts at the end of the part two episode recording. So, Elliot, darling, for Bad Wolf, what's your score out of five? I think it's a damn good four. The really, the really high upper echelons of being a four with some amazing, amazing things in it, some amazing jokes, but it's set up, really good set up, but it's set up for an even better finale. So the question begs the answering. What's your rating for Parting of the Ways? It's my first ever five. Yeah. W- one of my only fives. Yeah. Like, can't can't fault it. But overall, for the two-parter, a five. Yeah. Yeah. But what 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 would you give Bad Wolf? For me, it's a 4.5, mate, out of five. Good. Okay, uh, the 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 point the point five is valid. I feel like we have laid this out before, but I'm like the only point five I ever tend to do is two point five because it means half bucks, whereas I don't normally do half gradients for things. That's oh, just... I do. I love. I, I'm I'm indecisive, yeah. no, so I yeah. have to. Which 
It's absolutely fine. I understand people do, but I don't want people to think that I, yeah, that like I'm I'm rating it lower than you. I feel like we're rating it probably exactly the same. I just yeah. So like, what it's a strong Elliot four. is really saying is that it's a four point five. What I'm saying is, if yeah, if I believed in the metrics of doing point fives, then it would be a four point five. Yeah. But what about the parting of the ways? I mean, it's a five out of five for me. It's always going to be a five. It has to be a five out of five. So overall, for the two part, I agree with you. It's a five out of five as well. Yeah, I love it when we can agree on things. I love it too. Now that we've wrapped up the finale, we're going to go in to the new part of, well, the first time we're doing it on the podcast, we're going to both individually rank it from worst to best. Not saying that they're all bad, just saying, you know, are from our least favourite to our favourite. Yeah, so, which ones we'd watch, yeah. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to start from 13, so our least favourite to our favourite, and we're going to go back and forth. So, shall I go first? I, Damler, I've spoken way too much, so... What is your least favourite episode of Series 1 of Doctor Who? Coming in at 13, and with no surprise to anyone, The Long Game. <gasps> what? Fuck Adam. <laughs> what about you? Same. The Same. Long Game. What? You say The Long Game is the weakest episode of Series 1? Who would have thunk it? I know, I can't, I can't believe it. But it, it, yeah, it's, uh, it's certainly something. Yeah. So... Coming in at 12, the end of the world. Mm. What about you? The unquiet dead. Ooh. Oh, I okay. know. Okay, coming in at 11. Shall I stop saying coming in? Is it annoying? No, no, I like it. Okay, okay. You sound like coming in at 11. Coming in at number 11. Is it's... the unquiet dead for me. Oh, okay. Coming in at number 11... It's the end of the world. Ah, <laughs> interesting. He's just got those switched around. Yeah. Um, okay, <laughs> number 10. I'm about to get real controversial on this fucking podcast. I'm not going to lie. Oh, we might have the same one. Do tell. Number 10, Empty Child. <gasps> okay, number 10, The Doctor Dances. Ah! <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, okay. Number nine. Nine. The Doctor Dances. <laughs> <laughs> Number nine, The Empty Child. Oh, my God. Guys, we didn't plan this, I swear to you. <laughs> okay. The next three, sometimes, it, depending on my time in my life, they sometimes shift. But in my current life, uh, coming in at eight is Rose. Okay. What about you? Coming in at number eight, Aliens of London. Cool. Coming in at seven, for me, is Aliens of London. <laughs> <laughs> what about you World War 3 great okay coming in at 6 coming in at number 6 is World War 3 ooh what about you I'm so sorry pal coming in at number 6 Father's Day that's fair enough no at least it's up there it's not in the bottom it's fine it's in my it's in yeah it's it's it is very close okay Coming in at five, Boomtown. Coming in at number five, Boomtown. Oh, snap, 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 snap. Okay, here we go, top four. <laughs> it's tense, guys. It's actually tense. This is very tense. Coming in at number four, Dalek. Ooh. Oh. Coming in at number four, Rose. Ah. 
mostly, I think, because of the pedigree that the episode has. Yeah. Like, I'd rather throw Boomtown on. Yeah. And Father's Day is probably a better episode. But it's, it's Rose, man. It's Rose, yeah. It's the first one. Also, I can't ever say, ah, oh, now without thinking about the Doctor going, ah. Oh. Yeah, it's great. I can't, I, can't, I can't think about Fantastic without him going, oh, fantastic. Fantastic, fantastic. yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. In that really horny way he does in oh, Boomtown. It's fantastic, yeah. It's great. Okay, top three. Top three. Coming in at number three, Bad Wolf. Coming in at number three, Dalek. At number two, here we go, crunch time. I'm actually tense. Why am I so tense? <laughs> Coming in at number two, Parting of the Ways. Coming in at number two, Bad Wolf. And then number one for me, no surprise, Father's Day. And no surprise for me, it's the Parting of the Ways. So just to recap, my ranking is 13, Long Game, 12, End of the World, 11, Unquiet Dead, 10, Empty Child, 9, The Doctor Dances, 8, Rose, 7, Aliens of London, 6, World War 3, 5, Boomtown, 4, Dalek, 3, Bad Wolf, 2, Parting of the Ways, and number 1, Father's Day. And the ranking for me is 13, The Long Game, number 12, The Unquiet Dead, number 11, The End of the World, number 10, The Doctor Dances, Number nine, The Empty Child. Number eight, Aliens of London. Number seven, World War Three. Number six, Father's Day. Number five, Boomtown. Number four is Rose. Number three is Dalek. Number two is Bad Wolf. And number one is The Parting of the Ways. Delightful. So. That was very tense. That was tense. And also, that I'm is excited. the... excited. That is the end of series one, pal. We are done with series one. I'm upset, but I'm also really ready to move on to series two. I'm really ready. I'm raring to go. But Well, I was going to say, should we tell them what's coming next? But not just yet. It's not coming just yet. Not, no. No. We're going to be talking about in our next episode, we're going to do a nice bumper length episode of series one of Torchwood. Yeah, have that in your canon, because that... Sure, it doesn't come between series one and two, but we don't want to get straight into series two. And boy, how does this want me to watch Torchwood? Yeah. Um, which I've seen some of, and I'm now caught up on all the episodes I've seen. So that's fun. It's straight into the into the blue from here on out. So yeah, we're not going to do an episode on, uh, um, episodes on each episode, if that makes sense. We're just going to do one episode on series one. Yeah, one massive episode where we just talk about series one. And talk about our favourites and some good moments. And some bad some moments, fun. because, God... There, uh, are, there are lots. And uh, talking about how much I love Eve Miles, probably. We're going to be recording that in person together. That is extremely exciting. That is very exciting. And we might have a couple of little bonus episodes after that of if we but find we'll some other things to talk about. We, we don't know yet. But Torchwood is happening between now and Series 2. There might be a couple of little smatterings when we get together and record if everything goes according to plan. But it's very, very exciting. You should be excited. So, guys, that's that. You've got that to look forward to next week, Torchwood Series 1. A retrospective. A retrospective. A retrospective. So thank you, as always, for watching. Let us know what you thought of the episode. Let us know what you thought of Series 1. Do email in. Yeah, you can email us at 
comealongpondpod at gmail.com. If you do email us your thoughts in, we will read it out, most likely, unless it's negative, in which case we won't. But don't be negative. Don't That's be negative. Uh, but you could send thoughts, comments, questions, queries to our email. You could also get in touch via social media. We're on Instagram at comealongpondpodcast, and we are on Twitter at comealongponddw. You can stream us on YouTube, now. Spotify, Apple... Just search Come Along Pond Podcast. There is no one else like us. You can't find anyone else. We are the only ones. Correct. Thank you. You. Me. The you that I... Not you. I mean the audience as well, but you. Thank you. Not just for talking to me today, but talking to me for the past. What now has been not quite 14 weeks, but it's been 14 records. Yeah. Time goes by hella quickly. Timey why me. Timey why me. But it's been lovely chatting to you. And to you. And to the people at home. If you guys have any of you have been listening and like taking in our first, you know, to our first series of Doctor Who and our first like, you know, little section that we're doing here. You know, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. You know, um, we mainly wanted to do this just because it's so much fun for the two of us. We're not out here to have an agenda to like have loads and loads of listeners obviously it's lovely if people listen but like you know thank you so thank you if you do we really really appreciate it um do leave us a rating if you want to and but yeah thank you to everyone at home thank you to you elliot and for you the you listening at home and you the you damler sat opposite me you know what you were fantastic and you know what i was (laughs) you were you were and i was but whatever no, I'm joking. You were you were absolutely fantastic. And oh, so was I. Yeah. <laughs> so, one thing we will be carrying from series one is our outro, isn't it? We will always give you air from our lungs. Always. <sighs> <laughs> uh, goodbye, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening. See you soon. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye now. Bye. See ya. See ya. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.